Hey folks, five years from now, you're going to be the exact same person that you are today, except for the people that you meet and the books that you read. Welcome to the Cattle Pros Podcast. I'm Jake Scott, and today we have an exciting pair of guests with us. It's Heidi and Charles Anderson from Legacy Livestock Imaging in Kansas. Now, you know Heidi and Charles from the great pictures that you see on their Facebook page. You certainly see them and their large staff at the livestock shows that you go to. They take the great, unique pictures that we all enjoy and that that we all have and that we share around with our friends. What you may not know is uh, Heidi and Charles are a big reason that we actually started this podcast. They helped us with the design logo, gave us a little punch in the ribs and a motivation to start this thing. So first of all, Heidi and Charles, welcome to the show and thank you for the help getting us started. Well, we're really, really excited and really glad to be here, Jake. Excited to be a guest. And this is a unique uh, experience because you are the first ones to broadcast live from the Cattle Pros studios here in Gordon, Nebraska. Most of these are done on FaceTime, but we're actually face-to-face this time, so how cool is that? Definitely the best way to do it. Amen. Amen. So, as we said in the introduction, um, you guys have started a photography business that's been very successful. You bootstrapped it from the ground up, and you've already done some other podcasts where you've discussed your background, and if listeners haven't... um, uh, heard that story, they need to go listen to some of those podcasts because we're not going to get into that today, but it is a remarkable story of, of where you started from, you transitioned into the cattle thing, and you've built the thing up now, and so it is a fascinating backstory. Oh, thank you. It's uh, And everybody has a unique story um, in this whole, you know, in this whole deal, whether you started from a multi-generational family farm to someone like my husband, like Charles here, who did go from a multi-generational family, but family farm and family business to um, somebody like me who is, um, I grew up as an Air Force brat and grew up as a townie and married into this whole deal. And a PK. And a pastor's kid. Heck yeah. We love PKs. You know, and that's one thing that we want to stress to our listeners here, because I think we've got listeners of all ages here, but for young people especially, it can be intimidating to think, I want to be in the cattle business, but when you see the expense of being in production agriculture and thinking about taking on all that debt, it can be daunting, and it can, um, I think it, it, it can really be discouraging to some of those kids. And what I love about stories like yours is there's a lot of different ways to, quote, be in the cattle business. And you all have found through photography a unique way to be very much in the cattle business, but just in a little different way than the traditional sense of production and and running cows, right? Absolutely. And I think the thing that most, especially when you're talking about a younger generation, the thing you need to remember is that this is a marathon and not a race Mm. and not a sprint. And that when you're whether it's trying to get into production agriculture, whether it's club calf trading, whether it's a, being a photographer or working in design, that it's, you know, I know it's, it's, you want it all right now, but there's a lot of baby steps that get into bigger steps that get into giant steps to get you where you're going. And every experience has a story and every good experience and bad experience makes you who you are. Like what you said at the beginning of, of, your, of the podcast, you know, five years from now, who are you? And it's a culmination of the people that you meet and the books that you read. So, and that I think is you can't be more true in the cattle industry or, you know, in swine and sheep as well. 
I'm guilty of this, okay, so I'm going to point the finger at myself first, but I think we all somewhat live in a microwave society these mm -hmm. days. We put it in the microwave, we hit the one-minute button, and outcomes are whatever, but in reality, business is more like a crock pot. Yes. It's a slow process, and I think sometimes we see the, the, the fantastic following you all have on Facebook. We see your presence at these shows, and it's easy to get the impression that you all are an overnight success, but um, that's not true, is it? I mean, it's 10 years, it's 20 years, it's the grind and the work and the hustle, and then bam, you make it, but what a lot of people don't see is what went into that, right? Right. Well, and you know, you have to remember, I mean, this will be my 20th year as a professional photographer. Wow. You know, nothing like being an overnight success after 20 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you hear that about, you know, a lot of people, even in um, cattle production, where, you know, you get, a, you know, your first standout bull or first line of females that, you know, really take your, take your program to the next level. Well, that's still backed by, you know, 20 or 30 years of experience for your, from your own family, plus the knowledge of, you know, two to three generations before that. So it's, you know, and when, kind of when you said microwave too, there are certain things that are okay to be microwaved and there are certain things that you should put in, you know, a crock pot or smoke overnight or whatever. Yeah, we put a bag of popcorn in the microwave and that's delicious. <laughs> if we put a chicken in the microwave, that's Prime probably, rib. yeah, we're, we're not going to be happy with not that so experience. Much. So it, it's definitely worth the time that it takes. And I love your quote. And if you guys didn't hear that, um, what Heidi said, this is worth writing down or, or shooting it out on Twitter, whatever you want to do. This stuff isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. Yeah. And it's about the long haul. And it's it takes dedication. It takes getting up every day and putting in the effort and the work and the time. And I think that's a great quote that it's a marathon and not a sprint. So if you haven't figured out by now, we're going to talk and try and drill down into really the business and the philosophies that Legacy Livestock and the Andersons have here, and we're going to jump right into that. So tell us a little bit about what it is that you do. Obviously, most of us know about the cattle side of things, and you go to these events, but you do a lot more than that. In fact, that's what brought you to Gordon, Nebraska this weekend. Yep. So tell us about the different um, areas of the, of the business. Um, we, I mean, obviously, um, very involved uh, in the livestock show side of things, um, as far as um, being official photographers at just numerous shows across the country. Um, but also, uh, why we're here in Gordon, we're uh, photographing a wedding this weekend. We do a lot of weddings. Um, also, um, seniors uh, do a lot of corporate stuff as well. Do a lot of work with like the Angus Association, Certified Angus Beef, um, Vermeer, and you know a lot of other larger agriculture companies. Uh, stuff that they can use in ads, Facebook, what you know, whatever other medias they might have, and not just those companies, but also ranches like here in Gordon at Krebs Ranch. We've been partners with you guys for a long time now, and I mean, we always look forward to coming up to Gordon, Nebraska, and we'll make an excuse to get up here whenever we can. Yeah, I think we've five or six years, I think, is probably when we've we've been doing some ranch photos and stuff like that out here. And, you know, it's as much as we love driving around in the truck with Jake, it's it's the relationships we've made along the way um, that I think comes down to the essence of everything that we do and anything that you're trying to do, um, whether you're trying to sell, um, 
bulls and females, whether you are a photographer and you're trying to help tell somebody else's story, it comes down to those, those relationships, to the friendships, to um, the wisdom that you can gain from other people in your life. You're, you're reading my mail because I, this is exactly what I wanted to pick up on about what Charles said is relationships and the networking. And it's funny how one piece of your business uh, the relationship you create there can open doors and give you an opportunity to do business in other areas. So uh, that young girl or boy that you've met at a livestock show that grows into an adult, gets married, they've known you, you've become friends, now they want you to be their photographer at their wedding. And, and this really becomes a, a long-term kind of family business. And they're going to have children and you're going to photograph their graduation, hopefully, and things like that. And so it's very interesting. There's a lot of parallels to what you just described there. And I think in the cattle business, we see this. The importance of relationships can't be overstressed. We call them gateway opportunities. So if we have an opportunity, for example, to sell a young kid a show heifer, you know, that, that's for most families a fairly significant purchase, you know, whatever the amount is. But let's say the family does that and you have a good experience, you treat that family right, and you start a relationship, well, when that family needs a bull to breed to that heifer, you're likely the one they're going to call. Oh, we've got a guest joining us here. Noodle's coming downstairs, our family dog. But, but again, um, and then when that family wants to buy a herd of cows, maybe, to, to add, if they add some land, you're the one they're most likely going to call. So those gateway opportunities, treating people correctly, in a small piece of business, I think can lead to a much bigger piece of business. Would you guys agree? 100%. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, treating people right in every aspect and treating, um, making the right decisions, being kind, um, taking that extra five minutes to do the little thing, um, to answer the phone call, to answer the question, to, um, those are things you're never going to regret doing. The extra five minutes you take out of your day to help somebody out is something you're never going to regret. And it will, you know, I mean, I, it's, it's, it, maybe it's just a karma thing, you know, if, you know, people may not remember it right away, but the kindness that you show to others will come back to you. Um, and again, you just, it, even if it doesn't, it's never the wrong thing to do. You know, I see that with you guys, not only in the way that you interact with uh, your customers, but this is something I really want to hit on with you all is that's the way you also interact with your employees and your team members, yes. your staff that you bring to these shows. And I think that's pretty unique the way that you guys handle yourself. And culture is something that I've become a fan of and a student of and trying to learn more about it and do a better job implementing it in our own operation. But I think you guys have a very good model and foundation of a healthy company culture uh, with your team members, and I'd like you to teach us a little bit on that. So, first of all, if if you're listening to this, what the heck is culture? You know, what do we mean by culture when we're talking about business? And for me, and I want to hear your definition, but for me, it's your business's personality. Mm -hmm. As far as you being leaders to your employees, it's what you do, and also what you allow. To me, that's a good definition of culture. How do you guys see culture in your business? Um, I would, I would almost echo those sentiments. Um, it is, it's a lot of just what what you want your company to be looked at as from other people in the industry, whatever that is. Um, and I know 
for us, the most important thing for us, whether it's an employee, intern, whatever, is, is a positive attitude. And, and that's the one thing that we try to portray in everything we do is just being positive. There's so much negativity and things like that just in society as a whole, in social media, things like that. Um, we always say, uh, I mean, a positive attitude will go a long way with us. We, Work we, we, can, we, can, we can teach you how to run a camera. We can teach you how to edit on a computer. We can, we can teach all that. But what we can't teach is a positive attitude and a willingness to want to learn how to do that. If you come in and you don't have the attitude where you want to learn how to run your equipment better or to become a better photographer, um, be better at social media, all these things that we cover, um, you're not going to learn and you're not going to be contributing to our company. Um, the other thing we always say, and with, with our employees, interns, all that kind of stuff, is a good sense of humor is a mm. must. Um, about the second thing we tell people when they come in as, as interns is the second we're really, really nice to you is when you need to be concerned. Because we, we speak fluent sarcasm at, at Legacy Livestock Imaging. <laughs> That's authentic, though. I like that. I think, I think we have too much in today's world, uh, political correctness. And so I, I, I appreciate the yeah. sincerity and authenticity. And I think probably your, your uh, crew would appreciate that, too. Well, and anybody who has either interned for us or worked for us in the past or currently works for us, um, they can tell you. The first thing out of my mouth, the first day that they're an intern is I have a lot of grace for making mistakes because I think you, the only, sometimes the only way you learn is through making mistakes. Um, the one thing that I have absolutely zero tolerance for is, um, is a negative attitude. Um, I feel like that's the one thing there in, a, in an industry where there's an, a lot of variables and a lot of things we can't control. Um, the one thing that you can control is how you react um, and the attitude you do that with. Um, and we've let people go <laughs> because of it. Um, because it's a high-stress situation. Those days are long. And if you're not enjoying, just really enjoying what you're doing, and if you can't do it with a positive attitude, you don't need to be there because you're not enjoying it and you're not getting the learning experience out of it and you're not getting the productive experience out of it at the end of the day either. And I don't necessarily want to put out the 10 fires with your bad attitude that you just lit. <laughs> and at the end yeah. of the day, all of these people and all the people that that you hire, Jake, at the end of the day, reflect Krebs Ranch. Amen. And so at the end of the day, all, you know, Charles and I can say, we're going to have a positive attitude all day long. But if we have five people working for us who are unkind and, you know, aren't working very hard and arguing with each other and you it's know, a reflection on it's you. It's a reflection on us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something as, as you may, you know, maybe even us that are older business owners need to remember, you know, yeah, this is a good kid or this is a, you know, this is my buddy's kid. And so I need to hire him. But if he, if they're not a reflection of what your end game is and what your business model is and what you want your business to stay in the greater world, then they don't need to be working for you. Mm-hmm. Shared values. Yes. Absolutely. My wife, Cammie, and I are huge fans of Chick-fil-A. 
when we mm-hmm. travel. And don't beat me up too bad for eating chicken as we're on the Cattle Pros podcast here, but it is what it is. But I'll it's tell you delicious. the truth. It's delicious chicken, <laughs> but it's not the chicken that takes us there. It's their employees and their culture and the way that we're treated from the time we walk in to the time we leave. They're grateful. They're appreciative. They're happy. It just, you, if you're in a bad mood, go to Chick-fil-A and you'll come out and you'll feel better about whatever it is that's going on that day. What I'm always fascinated about, and Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, I've read all of his books and they're fantastic. I recommend them, but I'm always excited to learn from people who do this well, how you communicate that to your team and how you get buy-in. And you touched on that a little bit, but let's drill deeper onto that. So um, I'm a new team member at Legacy Livestock. I'm there for the first time. Walk me through the process a little bit of how the onboarding process, you might call it, of how you bring those team members into your loop and get out of them uh, exactly what you need in terms of that positive attitude plus the production that you need, the work that you need, but doing it in the right way. So what does that look like for you guys? Well, to start with, we everybody, I think there is a very, very small number of people who work for us or who have worked for us who, I mean, we're talking maybe three who have not gone through our internship program. And so for us, that's the onboarding that we have. So intern first. Intern first. Okay. And, you know, not going to lie, we spoil the snot out of our interns. It's, (laughs) I mean, if you're doing one of the, especially the summer internship and, uh, Jake and Cammie have gotten a chance to meet a lot of our interns. We they have graciously hosted what six of them, six of us up here last summer and went through and you know, not only did they do the junior nationals and stuff like that last summer as part of their internship, but they got a chance to come out and um, really see, you know, what the marketing is on a ranch um, and how to do that and learn that side of it as well. Um, But I think it comes from the top down. You know, we expect great, you know, we expect them to work up to their absolute best potential. And a lot of us doing the internship program is trying to identify what that is. You know, whether it's what, what do you have a passion for? Do you have a passion for editing? You know what? That's where we're going to end up plugging you Mm -hmm. in at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you have a passion for, you know, it's funny because we'll, um, Charles does a lot of our staffing and, you know, puts a lot of people where they're going to be. And he is able to look through and say, okay, this person is going to get that killer profile shot in the ring every single time. And this person is really good at the artsy storytelling pictures. Well, you end up putting those two people together and you get a full rounded approach to how um, that show act, how, how that show was actually represented. Um, but I think people bloom where they're planted and if they're doing something that they like and they're doing something that their passions are engaged in, they do it better. And if we're helping them to go to do, to work within their passions and to work within places that they truly, truly enjoy, um, I think that just makes for a culture of, and they know there's going to be times that they have to do things that they don't necessarily Yeah, that's like. all of us, right? Yeah, right. exactly. And that's, we got to get life, this done. And, yep. and you know, yep. we, have, we all need to pull together and get X, Y, and Z done. But at the end of the day, you know, I know this kid really loves shooting in the hog ring and she loves doing that. So we're, you know, that's where I'm going to put her and there, and they thrive there, but she also knows she's going to have to pull pan at the end of the day too. <laughs> and, you know, or some, you know, on the cattle side, you know, you get to be, in the ring sometimes, but I'm going to need somebody who's going to get ears and I'm going to need somebody who's, you know, who's good at helping pet feet and stuff as well. 
So yeah, and that's got to be an important part of the the whole process, Charles. Heidi said, you know, with you doing some of the staffing, but it's identifying those kids and identifying their talents because let's face it, not only is that good for your team member and, and they're going to have a more positive and healthy work experience, but it's also going to make you all more productive, ultimately more profitable. If you have somebody working in the area where they're best and wh where they enjoy it, you're going to get much more r better results by the end of the day. Agree? Definitely. Definitely. Um, and we do, and it's just kind of the, the nature of the business and where we're at. Um, is I mean, the cattle side of things will every once in a while kind of monopolize things, and especially kind of on our intern and employee kind of staffing deal. Um, so so if you're if you're a sheep or goat or pig photographer who'd love to who'd like an internship, get a hold of us because we're always looking for those kids. Right. But it's always amazing to us um, because we shoot so many shows and there's so many species involved. Is we like having well-rounded photographers so it doesn't matter what show we're at even if you're a let's say you're a cattle kid there's a good chance that you might end up being in the sheep ring the pig ring goats whatever it is just because um so we'll, we'll always try to switch staffing around and stuff like that and plus just shooting one thing get, gets kind of boring but it's always neat to me when let's say a pig kid, we put in the cattle ring and they come back and they give us a card and their images are just absolutely amazing. And, you know, and they just light up and they buy, buy in even more. And I mean, we have a lot of kids um, and I, I struggle with it is um, the, the hog photography in a ring. Uh, I'm getting better, but those kids, they're just kids that it just comes natural to, and I'm jealous and in awe of those kind of kids. Uh, but I mean, there are kids that have maybe never shot in a hog ring before, and they'll they'll come in and and they'll give you a card, and the images are just amazing, and they're like, well, "We've never done this. I I would have never thought I could do that." And then they're asking to go back, you know. So it's just more and more buy-in um, on our staff in those kind of ways just by exposing them to things. I mean, it can even go on the, the editing side of things. I mean, they'd be like, you know, if they've only edited one species and I say, hey, try editing these, we're kind of behind, I want to get these images up. And, you know, they get into editing a different species than they ever had before. And they're like, this is fun, you know? And then, then it not only increases their skill set and marketability and value to our team, you know, they're having fun and they're, they're investing right back in us, and it, it's really a neat kind of full circle deal. So. And I appreciate you all sharing that, those details about how you handle that because I think there's a bigger application than just your business or someone who has a business like yours. And if we zoom out of this whole discussion a little bit and think about applying this kind of culture to agriculture at large, whether we're in production, agriculture, any field of agriculture, and we're saying a lot of cultures here, Yeah. okay, so <laughs> stay with us, but I think there's huge growth opportunity as leaders to apply healthy culture to agriculture, and here's what I mean by that. This is a pet peeve of mine, and I'm on a crusade to change it, the term hired hands, hired hands, just by definition, 
you're on my payroll just for your hands, just for your strong back, just for your muscle. And we as people are so much more than that. Jack Welch was the CEO of General Electric during its real growth and expansion era of that company. He wrote a great book called The GE Way. and It's an older book, but it's a great read. And he talks about tackling that problem at General Electric. And it came to him from one of the employees on the factory floor. They were doing some interviews about how they could improve culture. And this is, I'm talking 20 years ago they're tackling this, okay? And the employee, you know, the low-level employee talking to the CEO, Jack Well, she said, for 20 years you've paid me for my hands. The whole time you could have had my brain. And you chose not to use it. And I think that we've got to embrace that in agriculture, too, because not only when you have a team member, not only are they're using their talents with their hands, and certainly that's a lot of the reasons we hire them, but they have a heart, they have a brain, they have a soul that we need to take advantage of, too. And I don't think that we do a great job of that, unfortunately. Well, and I think, and I, I could not agree with you more on this, 110%. And I think it comes back to... Production agriculture, especially in beef cattle, um, I mean, it comes down to relationships. And it comes down to who you trust and who you want to do business with and the people that you hire that are an extension of that. Because, I mean, when you go down the roads, I mean, you can go within a 150-mile radius of here of Krebs Ranch. And you're going to get a lot of people using some similar genetics on the Angus side. Why do you come to Krebs Ranch instead of going this place or this place or this place that's going to have similar genetics, similar birthing weights, similar weaning weights? Um, but you're going to come back to Krebs Ranch because I trust Jake. I trust Eldon. I, you know, it's that culture of people that, you know what, Jake answers the phone every time I call. And even if it's a question about a bull, if it's a question about a cow, if it's a question about where, what I should be bringing something to that we've bought, you know, we've bought some of their, their cows out of. And that really speaks to the service of, side of the relationship. Yes. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, when you have, you know, there's a lot of photography companies out there. And while we like to think that we do, we try to teach and work excellence to the highest degree at the same time, you know, these, you know, whether it's, a, you know, show administration or whether it's a ranch, they want to call and be able to talk to me on the phone and they want to be able to deal with, you know, and I, one of my favorite things is watching some of these, um, I say kids and they're all in their mid to late twenties now. Um, you know, some of the kids that started with us at the very beginning, um, as interns that they can walk into a show facility and they have these relationships now um, in states and in areas that they had never been to before and have kids running up to them and giving them hugs. And I love seeing that. Absolutely. And I love seeing that some of these, you know, we've gotten very, very blessed. You know, not everybody who works for us or interns for us is going to get the opportunity to be a livestock photographer for the rest of their life. Yeah. But what they, we love being able to look around and see, you know, some of these guys working and, you know, working on their own family ranches and doing an extraordinary job marketing. Some of these kids who are working in breed associations and just killing it or marketing for big companies. And they, but they work three, four, five years for us, um, you know, in their college years and a couple of years beyond. And 
it's very gratifying for me to be able to say, you know, for them to have learned that culture and that how to deal with customers and how to deal with, um, honestly, just with other human beings in a business setting. Yeah, and you guys have modeled that in a very good way and, and correct way, and I think that's that's great and that those seeds can then be scattered out and planted and bloom in other areas of ag because that's that's what we need more of, and I guess that's my point too. And I think that's a part of what we, uh, maybe a reason behind what we hear, and I know it's a legitimate concern, but we hear all the time when it comes to labor, what? Nobody wants to work. Right. Can't find help. Nobody wants to work. And I don't want to take away from that when I say this, but when you point one finger at someone else, you point three back at yourself. Yep. And I think we need to look in the mirrors a little bit as business owners and say, are we a place where somebody would want to come work? Maybe that's part of it, right? Yeah. And I'm talking about ag in large. I'm not pointing out any one person here, but is ag a field that's attractive to young people when they have so many other opportunities out there, are we keeping ourselves competitive? And and what I read and what I research about the younger generation and, and Heidi, I appreciate what you said. Now we talk we sound like old people when we talk these young kids. But I'm talking about kids coming out of college right now, kids in their twenties. What's really important to that generation is to be involved in a career that has a purpose yeah. and a mission behind it. They want to be part of a community and a family. And when asked, even when surveyed, they'll tell you that those priorities rank as high as salary. Whereas my generation, I'm in my 40s coming out of school, for most kids it was about money. Where can I go make the most money? And they would, you know, they'd be willing to throw themselves under the bus for an extra $10,000 or whatever just because of that, the ego of saying I'm making this much money. I think we've seen a shift in that. And now kids want to be part of a team. Young adults want to be part of a mission. They want to know at the end of the day when they go home what they did made a difference. It actually mattered. And for us to get our arms around that and our heads around that in agriculture is going to be a very, very good thing. That's going to make us way more attractive. And I think that's, again, one of our big growth opportunities and big challenges. And I commend Charles, you and Heidi for setting an example uh, with the way that you treat your team with some dignity and respect and encouragement and you used the word grace earlier. You know, everybody's going to make a mistake. Um, I love Dave Ramsey. I listen to a lot of his podcasts, and he says, if our guys aren't making a mistake, we're worried. Yeah. Because they're not pushing hard enough. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's we always say, and in, in, in photography, too, every once in a while, you know, you if you think about something and you take a picture and it's at a different angle or it's at a different, you know, viewpoint or something like that, I always tease. And I'm like, as I'm setting up a picture, I'm like, this is either going to be really cool or really bad. And there's not going to be an in-between <laughs> Or it's going to look really dumb or it's going to be the coolest thing I've shot in a while. And there's no in between on it. And for every one of those really, really cool shots, there's 10 where you're scratching your head and you're like, yeah, that didn't work out the way I thought it was going yeah, that, that to. Is, that is the beautiful thing about digital cameras that, you know, uh -huh. no, no one sees what didn't, you know, what didn't work. <laughs> but, it, but it's trying but, that. But it, it's part of that learning experience. So. But Charles, it's trying that something yeah. different that made you guys really who you are because what you all brought to the cattle photography business, in my opinion, was something that we'd never seen before. The 
three-dimensional shots, the off-angle shots. You know, it was pretty cookie-cutter up until Legacy Livestock. You had a profile shot, maybe a butt shot, maybe a head shot or something. But you guys have really captured a lot of emotion with those pictures and and really the the behind the scenes of the guys that are doing the work and you've told a story and I, Heidi when if anybody sits down and talks to you for five minutes that phrase is going to come up tell the story and I know that's a big part about what you and Charles are trying to do with your photography is tell the story of whatever it is you're doing if you're on farm or at a show or whatever right absolutely well and I come from a big Irish family of loud storytellers so to me, that's where a lot of that comes from. Yeah. I just had the opportunity to, you know, I do it probably more so with my lens than with other ways. Um, although I would say that I'm, I would never say that I'm not loud either. So, but um, I think that just comes naturally. If you, everybody's got a story to tell and the stories we have are the things that bring us together. And the stories that we have are the things that define us and the things that we can teach other people and the things that we can teach our children. So... You know, let's talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts of the business here as we transition. So if you're listening to this podcast, know that we are hopefully on the tail end of the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic. Things are beginning to open up in the country. We can go to restaurants. We can finally get our long, shaggy hair cut Mm -hmm. and look presentable again. So that's the the context here. We're going to be asking these questions. But... Tell us, how has the pandemic affected your business? Because obviously when there's no cattle shows, there's not a lot of need for photographers, for fitters. So talk to us a little bit about that. How's that affected you guys? We got really lucky with the, I mean, I don't even know the lucky is a way to say this, but um, with the timing of this, uh, we almost always take from after Oklahoma Youth Expo, after OYE, through the end of May, I wouldn't say we take it off, but we do a lot more just 24 hour day run out stuff. I'm where I can, where we can go, um, from our house and back in the same day. Um, maybe do a couple of jackpots just that we, you know, for some friends. And usually those, most of those are in Kansas. Um, Partly because I know what's coming in June yeah, usually. Just, just more of a mental health. Yeah. Well, yeah. still, I mean, just like everybody who's involved in agriculture, you can't. It, it's part of you, and you have to be around it. But to what extent that is, I guess, kind of changes for changes for us in this. What I kind of call our downtime, where it. I mean, we still have to go out. We still have to go get our cow fixes and our you know, our pig fixes and all that kind of stuff and be around it and be around our friends. But it's, it takes on more of a, a mental health. You catch your breath a little bit kind of and just exhale yeah. and relax for a second while, while still being around it as, as opposed to like our fall runs and stuff like that, where it's like, this is, we have to make this work so we can pay our mortgage and get our kids through college. And that yeah, because kind of we still got to have the money right. coming in too, right? I mean, it's a business. So. Yeah. Last year from June 3rd through, I think it was November 20-something, um, I was home six days non-consecutive. Wow. So for us, that's a, we kind of budget our year for um, April, the end of March through, especially in the end of March through April to be a little bit of, um, a little bit of downtime. And honestly, it's been, it's always a time that we reevaluate website. It's time we reevaluate the way we're going to market our company for the rest of the year. And those are things that we did 
as a company that um, we're still finishing up, we're doing a major rehaul of our website right oh, now wow. that should uh-huh. uh, launch here in the next, hopefully in the next week. Exciting. Um, and things like that, that we, that we, and that's traditionally, we do that at this time of year anyway. Um, we've been very blessed to pick up some, um, and honestly, it kind of goes with this time of the year too, just in general is some corporate things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you, you know, with the ever-changing world of livestock, especially, you do have to consider um, looking at, the, not necessarily saying this is the way we've always done this, um, because that is a way to get stagnant always and being able to look at you know what doors are open or what doors are opening and what possibilities and opportunities are opening up in front of you because that's I mean and in my personal opinion God puts those doors there for a reason and you can either walk straight past them and say this is the way I've always done things or at least you can open the door and explore explore the you know the road less traveled or you know, what exciting or scary opportunities might be behind door number one and door number two. Um, Well, this has been a scary time for a lot of people, and especially in agriculture. I mean, we're essential. The cows still need fed. The fence still needs fixed. So there was nobody sitting in the house that is in the cattle business during this time. And we understand other people in other professions had to stay at home. So, But in agriculture, most of us didn't feel the effects of the shutdown quite as much as people in other professions because you know life kind of went on we're in rural America we're somewhat isolated anyway but that's not to say that our cattle business didn't experience some major changes uh, many of the largely attended spring sales were virtually done all online with online bidding I know online has been around for a while the online sales but I think more people had to participate in it that have maybe never purchased purchased an animal online before just because that was their only option. Exactly. Or I know in some cases there were some bull sales where the State Departments of Health said, hey, you know, you're absolutely going to have to limit this. Sometimes they didn't want them to even have a sale. So that was pretty scary times. But what I'd like to know, Charles and Heidi, let us take a peek into your crystal ball how do you think some of these changes that were forced upon us moving forward will actually stick with us? You know, I think this changes the way that we do some business, that we do some marketing, that we do some sales. I'm not exactly sure how, but what's your best <laughs> guess? I, I think, um, and to, I mean, like you said, we'll say it every five minutes if you talk to us, it is that story. I think, I think the, this pandemic has given agriculture a great platform to tell it, to tell its story because people have figured out, I mean, you know, people haven't gone to a movie for two months. They haven't, you know, all these things, you know, haven't gone and I miss sports and football as much as anybody. Yeah. Like we, but we have, there hasn't, you know, there's been no sports, no movies, all these things that, um, are so in, ingrained in our culture, we figured out that they're not essential. But, you know, when those people that have gone to the grocery store and there's a package of hamburger in the meat department, it is a scary thing. And, and they've gone and, and I think agriculture's done and ranchers, local farmers and things like that have done a good job of saying, well, we're still here. 
come to our farm um, and let it let us show you, you know, I mean, and especially, you know, this time of year, I mean, everybody's turning their, their pears out on grass, you know, and, and those, those people are saying, well, where's the hamburger at? Where's the steaks at? Why, why isn't Wendy serving hamburgers today? And they go home and I know there's, there's a lot of them in Kansas. A lot of these farmers have kind of made co-ops and stuff like that where they're reaching out and, and telling their story to the general public through social media and um, just actually other, you know, TV and newspaper media outlets. And they're saying, come to our farm. We'll show you, you know, we'll take you out to the pasture, show you these calves, you know, and through, and through that food chain and where, you know, and they're they're then they're able to say, we have, you know, if they have a small feedlot or whatever, and they'll be like, Oh, we'll have, we'll have, you know, quarters, halves, whole beef, you know, that'll be going to the, to be processed here in the next week, month, whatever. And they're gone. And, Just, and they're gone. Yeah. It's um, and, and it's a great opportunity. Um, and, and it's not always, and I, and I get it that it's not always the most economical or easiest way to do it, but there, there's definitely anytime you can engage your customer in what you're doing, you can get a premium. You know, and it and, and it might not always be the efficient way to do it. Um, you know, if you're if you have a you know hundred head, hundred thousand head feed yard, like going through and showing everybody a pen of steers isn't efficient. But if you got, you know, if you have just ten calves hanging out in your house, or if your kids in 4-H and your county fairs canceled, and you can you can bring someone out and say this, this is my daughter's county was going to be your county fair steer. Unfortunately, our county fair got canceled, you know, and you can tell that story of her picking that calf out and, you know, from grandpa's pasture when it was 500 pounds and she feeds it every day, brushes it every day, you know, and you can, and you can get that premium um, from, from some customers and in, in kind of that way. And, and, and it is, and I don't, I don't, and I don't think it matters even on, on just like a steer or, or that product, I think you can do it. I mean, any any time you can connect your customer, whether you're selling bulls, boar, sows, sheep, whatever. Anytime you can engage your customers in your story, it makes a that connection there. Yeah, that connection. You know, I I totally agree with what you just said, Charles, and I think you absolutely nailed it as one of the biggest positives that could come out of a crummy situation here, but. There is nothing that'll make you appreciate your local rancher more than an empty shelf at a store. Yes. And, you know, we're all in our 40s here talking. I know there's a lot of people listening younger and older than us, but most of us have never had that in our life. We've never went to the store and not had a selection of beef or went to the store and not been able to afford the beef maybe. And now hamburger prices, I mean, the, the lowest end of our product is just outrageously expensive and I totally agree with what you said that it has opened a big door for a local producer to be able to fatten a few steers and sell them at a pretty nice margin and uh, you know I think what you were saying and I, I agree with this it's maybe not quite as sexy as selling a donor cow or a show heifer or a load of bulls or a big pen of fat steers, 
But let's face it, the you make several thousand dollars a head processing these things and selling them as quarters or halves or cuts or whatever. That money spends just as good as the several thousand dollars you made off of whatever else you sold. And I think the consumers have been telling us for a long time that they want to know more about where their food comes from. And how much more connected could you be with your food than buying it from the person that raised it off of their farm? I mean, you can stand there toe-to-toe and eye-to-eye, nose-to-nose with the person and see the animal and know the whole story. And um, I think there's a big future in that. And I think that's something that will change from this is uh, giving folks a, a new ability to do some marketing like that. Thankfully, some of our state governments are freeing up some regulations that allow a rancher, producer to sell meat directly to a consumer now without going through the USDA inspection process and all that. And um, I think that's, you you nailed it as far as I'm concerned. I think that's going to be a huge positive that comes. What do you think, Heidi? Well, I came from that consumer background, um, not growing up in production agriculture. Um, And I am, I can't even tell you how excited I am for the opportunities that are opening up to tell our story from the production side more effectively and more accurately to the consumer side of um, of the food chain, basically. Um, growing up and knowing, you know, I, I, you know, we did. We lived all over the country um, with my dad being in the Air Force and being, um, being a pastor's kid. And here's the thing. All of the organic you know, talk, all of the GMO talk. If you don't personally know a farmer or rancher, it sounds right. And people who, and I think you have to remember too, that people by and large just want to do what's right for their families. And by and large, they don't have all of the information. And this is the opportunity for us. I mean, when Charles and I got married, I was, you know, absolutely for, I didn't, you know, I didn't know how that whole, production line worked. I didn't know, you know, how a feedlot worked. Um, And just being able to understand the realities versus the perceptions of agriculture as a whole. And I think this has been such an amazing window of opportunity to open up, to be able to say to that suburban mom who really, really, all she wants to do is you know, have the best food and have the best opportunity for her kids, just like we do, just like every person on a ranch does, is you want to have the best opportunities and have the healthiest and the best upbringing for your kids. Yeah, very nicely said. And, but for, you know, to be able to connect with, you know, that suburban family or the downtown family that does just want to do what's best for their family. And if they, you know, we talk a lot about the difference between, you know, saying something is organic or saying something and knowing and having something that is source known, knowing where your meat is and where your, where your food is coming from. And I think that is something that you, that can be very, very easily built on too, um, both in produce and vegetables and, um, and in meats. And I think it's, it's, a, you know, you're, like you said, that money all spends the same, but when you're also talking about bringing people who are not necessarily necessarily agriculture people onto your ranch, onto your farm. There's value in that. God, there's a huge amount of value in that in the long run. And you're talking, yeah. you talk about a big marathon. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Going back to our first conversation. Trying yeah. Trying to connect. Yeah. Um, 
trying to connect as a whole because I think. Well, we recognize this has been a challenging time for people, but I think that illustrates what opportunities lie out there. If you're smart enough to see them, you're willing to work and take advantage of them. You know, in the end, we can come out better than when we went in here. And, and every challenge that we survive, it makes us a little stronger, a little faster, a little quicker, a little smarter. And this one will be the same. All this talk about food, though. <laughs> guys, you're getting hungry over here. I know, right? It's going to bring me to my favorite segment of the podcast. A little something we like to call stock shows and burritos. We do this with all of our guests. This is just kind of a fun segment where we talk about things that we like to do. And, and when Heidi and Charles and I are together at a show, sometimes uh, they're photogra doing photography, I'm doing judging, and I really can't go interact with other friends. You know, it wouldn't be appropriate, but but they're kind of Switzerland for me. They're neutral, so we'll go out and we'll eat some supper, and we love that. We love finding good restaurants. We love just having a conversation like this and and maybe there's another judge, and we'll grab them. We'll just all go get away and, and eat, and that's kind of what this segment's about. So tell us about maybe one of the favorite stock shows, cattle shows that you cover throughout the year, or maybe a special memory or something that you guys have had in your 20 years of doing this. Um, favorite stock show is easy for me. Um, I am absolutely love the National Western Stock Old Show. Old Denver. Absolutely yeah. love everything about it. Um, just, you know, the yards, um, you know, taking cattle up the hill, everything, everything about Denver. It's, I mean, and, and it, it, it's so ingrained in the, in the cattle industry. It doesn't matter, um, you know, what, what segment of, of got a phone talking to us. Of, of the, of, I don't know what, yeah, <laughs> but what, you know, but I mean, you know, even just commercial cattlemen from all over the country, they, they all come to Denver. To see, you know, what's next, what's, you know, it's kind of like, like a car, the car show, the cattle industry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Denver is easy for me and we've been really, really blessed, um, since legacy started, actually, um, we go out there every year, um, and we've been really, really fortunate. We, uh, shoot for the marketing department out there. So it, it's, it's a, it's a blast to go out there. Um, you know, we'll exhibit a few head and then, you know get to be able to, to, to photograph kind of those, those candid memories and moments just around, around the yards and on the hill and during those shows, um, with, with, with no agenda other than to capture the essence of what is the national Western stock show. Oh, and what a story that is to tell. And I would agree with you. That's gotta be, I mean, it's iconic. It's gotta be one of my favorites too. It's, it's uh, we used to show more as a ranch. That's about the only one we go to, other than some junior shows. But as a ranch, we, it's been a tradition for us. It's, pardon the pun, but somewhat of a legacy for us for 40 years is to have a presence in the yards, especially at the National Western. And they do a great job, and it's going to be exciting to see. There's big changes going on there too, with the construction and the revamp and the remodel. So it'll have a different look going forward, but uh, it'll have a little different flavor and story. But it'll be good. Uh, I, yeah, I'm excited to see what they, you know, the, the closer that they get, the more excited I am to see, um, to see what they've got going on. It's been one of our biggest honors to be able to document the, the yards in the last couple of years, especially knowing what the changes were going to be, to be able to go through and take, you know, some of the last pictures of the yards. And preserve some of those and memories. preserve and, some of those memories. Yeah. Um, as it was, it's, it's, it's a very humbling honor. 
for us to be able to do that. I haven't thought about it from that angle, but really you did archive a lot of that for yeah. years and years and years to come, didn't you? Yeah. That's neat. That's very cool. So, and I mean, this is something we have in common, Jake. I mean, we are all over trying to find the best. We're and foodies. Yeah. We're foodies. Let's just call it. We're foodies. I know. I know. We got to embrace it. Yeah. You got to find a great Mexican food place everywhere you go. Every time. Every time. You know, What's a favorite? Tell me a favorite mm. Mexican place. We got we to help people. We're here. I know. We are a show for the people and the people need to know where to eat. Mexican. Like Mexicans are always good though. Like I don't. Is there bad Mexican no, food really? No, really. There's no, just good and I mean, better, we, right? Yeah. 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 I don't know that we, we have it. A go-to Mexican place. Oh, see, I I've got it. My favorite is Taco Lucha in Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, but that's not necessarily where we have a lot yeah. of shows, but probably my favorite Mexican restaurant. So if you're going to visit K-State, check out Taco Lucha. Have a mar mango margarita if you're of age. Um, absolutely amazing. Uh, one of my favorite shows that we, <laughs> <laughs> that we did was um, we had a great meal at a steakhouse with Jake. Um, with Jake and Kirk Steerwald in Billings, Montana. And it is one of those things that Charles and I really, really, really enjoy is being able to, um, is be able to be Switzerland with a lot of these judges. Um, because, you know, there's, there are a few shows that will exhibit Cadillac, but for the vast majority, we're just there to work. Um, and we have the opportunity to, and luckily we have a lot of our really good friends and really close friends and our, our judges at these, at these shows. So, um, we get the chance to keep them from having to eat McDonald's by themselves. And, uh, and it's appreciated. Believe me, it's a breath of fresh air just to go be able to relax and, and get your mind off of the day and unwind a little bit. So, well, very good guys. This has been a blast. We appreciate you being on Cattle Pros. Um, couple of things as we wrap up. What's your next big project? I'm sure you got Junior Nationals coming up this we summer. We sure hope so. We sure hope so, don't we? We <laughs> know think, we're having some of them at least. I know. It's, it's looking like we're going to have some of them. Um, they're all going to look a little different this year, and we're excited to be able to you know, and I think this year more than any other year is going to be important to have good pictures for, you know, the grandma who can't come and shouldn't come um, in this particular climate. Um, and we're, we're excited to be doing that. Um, we're excited about the fall shows we have coming up. Um, do we have anything new and big, I guess, coming out? So the uh, website, it website. sounds like, is getting a facelift, website, and yeah. we'll Web be excited to see that. Website's getting a new facelift. It'll be a little bit better. Um, it's going to still be the ordering platform for images and the ability to um, find your images effectively will be very similar to what it is now. The platform is just a little bit more integrated, so it, it, it's just going to be easier. So, um, Tell us how we can find out more about Legacy Livestock. Somebody wants to contact you for a show or for an on-farm event or a special occasion. How do we get in touch with Charles and Heidi? Um, always easy to do is on Facebook. We have um, our business Facebook page. Charles and I each have our own individual pages. We also have um, our website, uh, LegacyLivestockImaging.com. And, um, gosh, we, you know, and we love hearing from people. We just love hearing from, you know, we, want, we love hearing about your stories. We want to know where you guys are at and what you guys are doing. And, um, you know, we'd love to come and hang out with y'all at your farms and ranches and tell your stories there and meet your families and staff and all that kind of stuff too. Folks, we promise to bring you the best and brightest minds in the cattle business today. And certainly I think we've got to do that. And 
hopefully an, a chance for everyone to grow and learn a little bit more by talking to Charles and Heidi. We appreciate your time, guys. Appreciate your insight and your comments and your candidness. Thank you very much for being with us. Thank you for Thank having, you for us, having Dad. us, Dad. Look forward to seeing you at a show down the road.